Welcome to 2023. And a sincere congratulations to you for powering through a year of viruses and Supreme Court decisions, election anxiety, and Twitter mayhem. So many folks use this crossover into a new calendar as a reset button. Maybe you're looking forward to some big changes and to growing in new directions. In Ann Arbor, the University of Michigan got a head start entering a new era. 32,000 undergrads, 28,000 campus staff and faculty, and all the rest of the big family making up the Wolverine community welcomed a new president, Santa Ono, to campus last fall. Well, almost every day has been magical, actually. You know, I've had a chance to perform on the stage of Hill Auditorium. I've listened to uh, our amazing musical theater program already. Um, I've been to UMA. Uh, I've been to many of the laboratories on the three different campuses. I have, of course, experienced uh, the tremendous energy of the big house. This is Stateside. I'm April Dare. Santa Ono is the former vice chancellor of the University of British Columbia. Before that, he served as provost and then president of the University of Cincinnati. He's stepping into the shoes of Mary Sue Coleman, who served as an interim president following Mark Schlissel's dismissal in January of last year. President Ono just finished his first fall semester as president of the University of Michigan, and he joined us to talk about his vision for the new year ahead. It's almost uh, two months that I've been here, and the community has been incredibly welcoming. And uh, I've had a chance to visit all three campuses and uh, many of the schools. And I'm working with the deans and the executive executive officers, and I've met many faculty and students, and of course, many fans of the Wolverines in different settings. I know that a great deal of your work to this point has been just sort of getting acquainted and getting your team set up. But will you tell us about some of your favorite moments or favorite things that you've learned since you've arrived? It's hard for me to pick a, a single favorite moment, but I would say probably... My single favorite moment uh, has been uh, when I was asked uh, very spontaneously to climb the stairs or the steps uh, to where the conductor actually conducts the Michigan Marching Band. And I had a chance to conduct them, uh, you know, playing victors, which was extraordinary because it's one thing to sit in the stands and listen or even to listen to it on the television, but to be right in front of the band as they play the victors is an overwhelming experience. That's a big deal. You've talked in recent weeks about your hopes for the future and that you hope, perhaps not in 2023, but in the following year, that that it would be time to take another look at the U of M's strategic vision. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you have in mind? Well, the strategic visioning process will launch with the regents at a retreat in January. And the reason why starting with the regents is that they have an oversight role And one of their most important contributions to the university is to help frame the questions. And the questions that we come uh, sort of nucleate around during the retreat will be the questions which will guide the conversations that will occur on all three campuses and in all the schools of the institution. The strategic visioning process will be led by the executive vice presidents of the university uh, with myself and uh, We will be um, working with a team that we're standing up 
uh, to really define the schedule and the process, but there'll be wide consultation and there'll be feedback sought from every individual in the University of Michigan community, both on our campuses and also tapping into the tremendous energy and expertise of our alumni base. And all of that will occur within a period of about half a year or so. Uh, we will then uh, integrate all of that, collate it uh, into an overarching strategic vision for the university. It will actually occur simultaneously with a campus master planning process that will also uh, initiate in the new year. Uh, and the strategic vision will inform the campus master plan uh, and then we hope to present this to the university community at the end of next year. So this is a one-year process that we're embarking on. I do understand what you're saying, that the lead on this will be will be dictated by the regents and what they decide about priorities. But I did want to ask you about something I saw recently, an opinion essay in the Chronicle of Higher Education. And it was written by Barbara Snyder, who's president of the Association of American Universities, and by Holden Thorpe, who's had positions at Washington University and UNC in North Carolina. And they were suggesting that universities in America are doing a lot right now, perhaps too much. And they suggested that maybe a narrower focus on undergrad education, as it's been affected by technology advances, as it's been affected by our disparities in equity, that looking at the fates of undergrads and what they go on to is really where it's at. Can I ask your reaction to that idea? Well, first of all, I want to be very clear that the regents of the university will not set the priorities. The regents of the university will help frame the questions, and the priorities will actually come from the entire university community. So it's really important for me uh, to clarify that. Thank you. Um, certainly, Barbara Snyder, Barbara Snyder is a colleague of mine. When I was president of the University of Cincinnati, she was president of Case Western Reserve and mm -hmm. uh, University, and I know her uh, through the AAU. And I've known Holden for a very long time when we were both presidents, and he was at UNC, and then he moved on to be provost at uh, Washington University, and now he's editor of science. So I know Holden very well. We even had a Twitter exchange the other day. Um, I think highly of both Barbara and Holden. And I know what they're trying to say that uh, these universities began primarily focused in undergraduate education. But if you think about the history of the University of Michigan, we're unique in a way in that uh, we have for a long time been really sort of a pinnacle of graduate education in North America. We were in many ways one of the first research universities that uh, was focused on graduate education. Uh, we have the Rackham School which uh, I think is almost without peer. Uh, and we have, uh, we are we are essentially uh, an institution that has a long history of almost two centuries of educating future teachers. Uh, if you look at uh, where faculty around the world have received their doctoral degrees, the top three are Harvard, Berkeley, and the University of Michigan. So I don't think as president of the University of Michigan that I can agree with uh, their uh, their view that we should focus on undergraduate education, where the University of Michigan has, from its very inception, been focused on a du dual purpose of not only undergraduate education, but also graduate and professional education. The, the fact that um, uh, University of Michigan is the home of the oldest hospital integrated into the university setting is something that we're proud of 
And so I, I couldn't completely adopt the view that Barbara and Holden have put forward. It certainly would seem to be a bit strange for a university like U of M that has shown so much success in graduate and, and doctoral work and research and healthcare to lean away from its very own strengths. At the same time, I'm sure you've become aware that there's something of a tension within Michigan circles, a perception that there are haves in higher education in Southeast Michigan and have-nots in higher education in other parts of the state. Might not, you know, refocusing a bit more on an undergraduate experience and, I guess, thinking about the kind of neighbor that University of Michigan has become within the state, might that not lead toward a lessening of those tensions? Oh, certainly. We are a public university, and I fully agree that we have to continuously be thoughtful about that mission and our responsibilities to the state, uh, to the welfare of citizens of Michiganders. I agree with that 100%. But I think that uh, this is an ecosystem here. Uh, there are multiple universities. Uh, we have three research universities in Michigan, but we also have many other institutions, community colleges, more teaching-focused institutions. And so I think what we need to do in Michigan is look at the, the entire ecosystem and the differentiated model of the system here, Michigan University of Michigan has a very important role to play in graduate education and knowledge creation in the professions. We do also have, as you point out, uh, over 30,000 undergraduates, and it is certainly appropriate, and we should focus on the quality of their ed undergraduate education, for sure. But um, the sort of historic dual purpose of the University of Michigan is something that I don't think that we can let go of because it's a very important component of what we contribute to the ecosystem of the state. We need to take a short break. More with U of M President Santa Ono in just a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Your decision to come to Michigan happened after, several months after, the university reached a settlement worth close to $500 million with survivors of sex abuse at the hands of a former faculty member, Dr. Robert Anderson, who worked at the university for many years. On one level, it may seem to many that problems are in the past, but at the same time, there have been other staff or faculty from departments in the university who have been accused of various forms of misconduct. And when we talk to students and some staff, it's not hard to sense that there is a huge painful gap between criminal matters that end in a conviction, you know, within American law enforcement, and the kind of issues that have come up in university settings that Title IX has been able to address. Can you tell us a bit about how you will ensure that students feel safe 
coming forward and that action will be taken against misconduct? Well, certainly uh, those were dark moments in this university's history. Uh, I can tell you at every institution I have served, pretty much every institution across the continent and around the world, similar things have unfortunately occurred. Uh, I think that um, all of us, myself, the whole leadership team, the regents, uh, the deans of the institution, we are all committed to addressing uh, what happened uh, because there's still healing that has to occur, to ensuring that we introduce processes and procedures to do everything that we can to ensure that it doesn't happen again. And we have made tremendous progress. I have to give credit to my predecessor, Mary Sue Coleman, who over the period of about uh, nine months really walked into the institution in the aftermath of that uh, and uh, really took some bold steps in ensuring that we made progress towards those ends. Uh, we have uh, an ECRT committee uh, that um, has uh, really been working intensively over the past year or so um, that has made tremendous progress. Uh, I have met with a community uh, committee and, 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 and uh, that group uh, has met with me and is hard at work uh, ensuring that uh, we take into account the voices of not only the internal community, but also the external community uh, in uh, moving towards trauma-informed um, best-of-class approaches to dealing with uh, survivors and the pain that they have experienced. Uh, as you know, my very first act as president of University of Michigan at the very first regent meeting, several days after I arrived, uh, was to commit to uh, standing up an independent compliance office, ethics and integrity office, uh, that would ensure that uh, we have oversight and a clear uh, uh, policy of elevation to myself and to the board of regents uh, so that we can do everything we can to to make sure that uh, the university is as, is as safe as it can be. So we're making those commitments and those investments. Uh, it's something that I take very seriously. Uh, and I'm, I do believe that we're making good progress towards those ends. For those who don't follow this closely, when we talk about ECRT, we're talking about the office that's charged with responding to harassment or discrimination issues. There is also a CCRT, that's a community response team that was created following the settlement of class action lawsuit that was filed by students. Santa Ono, can you tell us if CCRT has tackled any specific cases yet? Well, this it, we just met as uh, CCRT just met. The first meeting just occurred, uh, I think, about a week or so ago. I met with them, so uh, they have a lot of work to do, and so they're not at that at that stage yet. ECRT itself. Uh, is uh, functional and is 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 working, uh, and so that that's working well. But the, the community uh, committee uh, it has just launched. It's really been enjoyable to watch you get acquainted with the university committee through your very prominent social media feeds. We can feel your delight just living here and being a part of things. Are there ways in which you think the university might might present? That kind of that kind of face to the community in a little bit different way than it has in the past. I have to tell you, the communications team here is really outstanding. Uh, I have enjoyed working with them from the moment I was announced as the president elect. 
of the institution. They've been very innovative. I don't know if you saw the video when I was introduced, uh, hopping over the block M on the Diag. That was their creation. Uh, we have just put together a holiday video, which I think is 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 outstanding. And we have very talented people in the communications department that are really working with me on that social media presence. And I really think they're best of class. So um, I don't want to take any responsibility for, for what's happened here. We have a great team and uh, I'm enjoying working with them. Anything else I haven't, I haven't asked you about that's going to be uh, top of mind for you in 2023? Well, I'm, ex I'm really looking forward to the strategic visioning process, the campus master planning process. I've just met with uh, pretty much all the deans, which is, is wonderful because much of the action, whether it's research or teaching or community service occurs at the level of the schools. So I'm really, really happy about those relationships in addition to my relationships with the executive officers. Uh, I'm really looking forward to working with them on our, our ideas and bold actions and sustainability. I've enjoyed it. Go Blue. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Thayer. When you're ready for more listens, look us up. Our website is michiganradio.org, and you can find full Stateside episodes there for streaming. Today's pod episode was produced by Ronia Kabansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.